Hey friends, welcome to the second episode of Voices Unheard, a podcast that shares stories of change makers who are giving a voice to people or issues that are too often silenced. Joining me today for our second episode is Holly Kui. Holly is the curriculum and training coordinator of Ushine and Ushine Vienna. Ushine is a mental and emotional health nonprofit that exists to spark passion for proactive mental health promote compassion for others, and build hope for a mentally thriving world. Before we get started, please note that we are not here to give mental health advice. So if any of the things we talk about resonate with you or someone you know, please consult your doctor or other professional healthcare provider. Now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hey, Holly. Hey, Jessie. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to be featured on Voices Unheard today. Of course. <laughs> so to start off, tell us a little bit about Shine. So to my understanding, it started in the US, right? Yes. Yeah, it started in the US by uh, my friend Jen Winton. Um, and she, it, it's, it's in Oklahoma is its base and then since spread out from there to create a few other chapters in some other states but um yeah she she created it to normalize mental health essentially to help normalize it to help create a spirit of empathy in people um to uh encourage people to start asking questions and start asking the right questions um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons behind it, uh, but it started from her own personal experience with mental health um, and mental illness as well. And so, and so it was born. <laughs> That's awesome. And then um, why did you decide to have another branch in Vienna then? Similar reason to Jen. I had my own uh, journey with mental health. I went from knowing zero about mental health, mental illness. I had my own uh, very set assumptions about people with mental illnesses or about uh, what they were called and, you know, all this kind of thing. So I had my own set of assumptions that I was uh, existing with until I then started struggling very intensely with anxiety uh, and that was in 2014 after the birth of my first child and so after then I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety and then uh, that led into a panic disorder which then led to depression so it was just this kind of explosion of all different issues that I had never experienced before um, and after been going to counseling and recovering and healing from all that. And then I really started to, all of those assumptions I had, those were gone. Um, mm -hmm. So I began looking for people who had something, who had an experience similar to mine. Um, and just when you go through something as so intense like that, your, your eyes and ears get sharpened for a particular look on someone's face or a particular phrase that someone might say. And I started, I was really aware all of a sudden of all of the different voices and looks um, of being given off, whether directly or indirectly by people all over the city. 
And so I just wondered to myself, if, I'm not alone in this. So I wonder if there's a way where we can all kind of get together and in a helpful and healthy way, support each other. Um, and then I found you shine Vienna through friends of friends and asked if we could maybe hang out <laughs> in a more community oriented context. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Why do you think it's so important that um, you shine was not so much about counseling or psychotherapy, but about more like building a community instead then? Hmm. Well, mental health and mental illness come with their own set of stigma. And then because of that, so too does the whole professional world. Um, I mean, I remember personally when I was encouraged to go seek counseling or go see a professional, you know, the way that it's phrased, the way that it's suggested um, and encouraged, it, it sounds like a bad thing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like the the same as when you say you, you need to see a doctor about that, about, you know, an injury. And that has its own type of intimidation. Um, but it doesn't sound like someone is going to then stamp you on the forehead and say, your brain is broken. Um, and so society is going to dub you as such. And so because there's such a huge stigma and huge hesitation surrounding the professional realm. Um, it was important to, it's important for things like you shine and you shine Vienna to exist, to bring that normalization, not only to the topic, but to the people who study this stuff and, you know, really know what they're talking about and dedicate their lives to understanding what's going on in our brains and bodies. But there are times that people just need, they need somebody who's maybe not a friend or a family member, but they're not quite ready to make that huge step to seeing a counselor. And so that's kind of where we see ourselves as you shine is that middleman um, being the bridge one way or the other saying, you know, find your people, find your community. And if it's us, that's awesome. We understand we have a lot of empathy here, but we also hugely, hugely advocate for the professionals out there, um, whether it's a life coach or a counselor or a psychiatrist, whoever it is, um, as long as they're safe, encouraging and caring, you know, we're all about that. But we might be the first point of contact to help them get comfortable with the idea of even going to see somebody. Um, so, yeah. And I think something like that is so important as well, because I feel like a lot of people are just not used to having these conversations about, oh, how are you feeling really, that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have never been asked that kind of question before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but why do you think there's so much kind of stigma around, you know, talking about your feelings and talking about your um, mental health, even though, you know, like we all say, okay, so your foot is broken, you should go see a doctor. Like conversations around physical health, it's very much accepted. But why is it, why is there such a big difference then? Uh, I think part of it is that you just, you can't see it. It's not something that's obvious. And we're, as humans, we're people who, we're a, we're a type of beast that we require information. Mm. Uh, and we need to know what's happening behind things. And are searching for answers. We need reasons. And so as a, you know, as a person, if you're walking down the street and you see somebody in, has a limp, for example, you can very quickly 
decide on your own without coming in contact with that person. Okay, something has happened to their leg in one way or another, and you keep going. Mm -hmm. um, whether you realize it or not, your brain has made such a decision about this person you don't know. Um, if you see someone who is telling you they're st struggling with something like a panic disorder or with anxiety or bipolar or some of these things, it is, you can't necessarily read the person, whether you know them or not, and decide for yourself, yeah, okay, that, you know, that makes sense. It's, it's not as obvious as a cut or a wound. Um, and I think because we don't have that information, we, we, we don't know what questions to ask. And then it's uncomfortable. When the, when the stuff starts coming out, this is why I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. It's usually not a very com comfortable conversation to have. Hmm. Um, and more often than not, we're seeking ways to make ourselves comfortable in the discomfort. And it's harder for us to sit in someone else's discomfort to really fully understand what it means to sit in someone else's pain or sit in their feelings with them and go to that place with them. Um, you know, if my, I don't know if this is a great example or not, but just a, an image that came to my mind is like, if my kid, you know, sits down in a puddle of mud, the thing I'm going to want to do reflexively is to help him get up but I'm going to do everything that I can to not get in the mud all over myself. I'm going to hold him in a way that he knows he's not alone. I'm right there, but I'm also not holding him up against me because I want protection from that mud. Um, to be with someone else's feelings is to be with them in such a way that you, the mud is also on you. Yeah. And I don't think... Uh, we are, I think we're doing better, but I think humanity always has room to grow and we're not to that point globally where we can, um, in wisdom and in maturity and, and empathetically sit in the mud with someone else. Because mm. that means we get messy and dirty too and we don't want that. We want to stay as clean as possible and um, go about our day and say basically like, well, I hope you find your way out of there. Yeah. But, you know, which is, it's not helpful. And there's just a lot of work involved. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. For your brain. And so I think it's just, it's just easier, I think, just to keep going and not necessarily stop and ask the questions. It's easier to say, uh, someone who says they have depression, uh, they're just lazy. Um, easier to make up your mind about that than it is to really sit in the mud and the muck with someone and understand what that's like yeah yeah I really like your analogy about being in the mud actually because that reminded me of um so um our very first episode was actually with someone who had an OCD um Yasmin and she was saying how her parents they you know like as a parent of course you want to help your child when they are going through some kind of psychological struggles or something but in the process of doing that they actually helped her to kind of like get into the rituals of okay like thinking really badly and being in this like vicious cycle that kind of thing so I actually think it it could even be kind of dangerous if you um if you are like okay I don't want to touch the mud um and I, I get it that it's kind of it's a way to protect yourself but at the same time it could be even worse mm -hmm. for the person um to feel like they're not getting the support mm -hmm. that they need so yeah I really like your analogy that there's there's still so much 
information that we don't know about it. And there's also, there's so much that needs to be done in terms of, okay, people need to know a bit more about this. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, does Shine kind of educate the public about like what it means to have a mental illness or what it means to be suffering um, some symptoms or something? Yes, to a degree. I mean, though, one of the very first things to know about Shine and something that we say over and over and over again is that Shine is never a place, uh, is never a community that someone should mistake for uh, therapy or counseling. We're not here for um, clinical diagnosis. We're not here for individualized treatment. That is out of our realm of knowledge. What, and what makes us unique and hopefully attractive to other people is that we are people for the people. And so while we do educate, we educate as far as we know how and as far as we feel comfortable doing so, um, because we want to leave the rest of the uh, diagnosis and treatments and those things to the people who, who are you know, who went to school for it and who have licenses for it and stuff. So we never want to step in their territory uh, because that's theirs for one thing. And also because we always, always put safety first. So I just wanted to start out saying that. And secondly, so yes, we do, we, we exist to educate. Um, And the way that we do that is through a few different uh, conversational events that we have. We'll have either uh, a workshop called Healthy Habits, but we also have something called Conversations, Shine Conversations, and that's where we'll take a more focused look on something that's very common, like anxiety, like depression, um, and we will talk through symptoms, uh, we'll talk through, you know, like anxiety, it has several disorders involved, and so what's the difference between a panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder? Um, I don't know how many times I've been asked in the last four years or so what the, you know, what's the difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack and, and, you know, talking through those people want to have those conversations. So we will talk about that, but we will end every session with, if any of these stood out to you, if this is, if this sounded like you, if this sounded like someone, you know, um, you know, come talk to us and we have the following, you know, helpful references for you. Um, so we do try to educate in that realm when it comes to very specific mental illnesses, but we also want to educate in giving people the day-to-day tools that they need to flourish in their daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, because they might be getting, you know, professional treatment for something like anxiety. And that is wonderful. It's, it could be additionally helpful, however, to continue to sort of strengthen those muscles in the surrounding area, for example, you know, like if you, if you get a surgery somewhere, well, the surgery is vital to have. And then after that, the person is probably going to do some sort of healing therapy, physical therapy, or something like that, as to strengthen the area around where the wound was, where the place where the surgery took place, that the person may not you know, if it's on their knee, the knee may not work exactly the same as it used to, but it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So that's where we see our primary role is helping strengthening strengthening those surrounding muscles, mm-hmm. uh, mental and emotional muscles uh, for some, for uh, people, whether they've struggled with mental illness or not, uh, but we're, you know, 
taking looks at things like resilience, coping with stress, um, understanding what it means to, to, to know your identity, um, mm-hmm. self-love, um, self-care, mindfulness, uh, just things that are going to help you on a regular Tuesday, you know, um, mm-hmm. when you have a conflict with a friend, those types of things. So that's, that's where the majority of our education uh, comes from is from talk, having those conversations with folks. Mm, I love that. I really like that. It's so vital, but it's also it's something that's not really there either. I feel like a lot of people are like, "Oh, just go to your therapy and you'll be fine." Yeah. When in, the, but you know, if you have a broken knee, you can't just fix a knee. Right. Um. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. I really like that. Okay, and I'm just I'm wondering, like, so you were talking about how. You shine is all about having a community. Like, who is this community? Then, is it for, is it is it only for people with mental illnesses? Is it only for English speakers? Is it who is it? Mm. We are for well, we're for everyone, mm-hmm. and we in Vienna specifically, we do tend to attract uh, people who come from all over the world. We are the only. To my knowledge, we are the only English-speaking community that does something like this, that pays very specific attention to a person's uh, mental health. Mm. And so because of that, we've got so many amazing people immigrating to uh, Vienna who, you know, once they get here, when that honeymoon phase, when that excitement of coming to a new city, to a new job or whatever, when that dies down and then they realize, ah, you know there's culture shock and they're still learning German Mm -hmm. sometimes we have people come through who are what uh what are often called trail a trailing spouse you know somebody who's followed their family and their their husband or wife to to Vienna and they have a their their spouse has a job but they don't Mm -hmm. um and so there's that loss of identity and loss of purpose and so they're looking for someone to speak with about this and uh English being the common language they'll eventually usually find us. So for the moment, we have been attracting primarily people who are looking to speak English, mm-hmm. even if English isn't their mother tongue. Uh, but we're for everyone. If people who have had mental illness, people who haven't, people who maybe know someone who struggles and they are a caring friend or family member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to say that we're also for people on the fringe, you know, people who just don't feel like they fit in anywhere and they're not really sure where else to go and where we are here for them we are here for for them especially yeah that's awesome that's awesome and you were it's so interesting that you talk about um how you've been I guess inadvertently attracting people who have moved to different countries I feel like they're I feel like it's kind of something that people don't really talk about. Um, But I mean, you have had the experience of moving to a new country yourself Mm. and also from like meeting all the people through YouShine. Like what is it in particular about moving countries that is so kind of so stressful and it can so easily affect a person? (laughs) Yeah, well, you're just going through so many mental and physical changes uh, that seem to happen all at once, but also happen over a gradual amount of time. Um, you know, for in my case, I had just gotten married, and then all of a sudden, I was, you know, sell it. My husband and I were we were selling everything that we had um, over 
a time period of about a year while we were also training to come over here, uh, learning German, then you've got to prepare yourself to say goodbye, then go through all of the goodbyes. So there's that mourning process mm. of saying goodbye to your native country and the roots there. Then the excitement, potentially, potential excitement of moving to a new place, inhaling all of that new information, but you're still mourning. Um, but also when taking all of these new things and it's a new language, they the there's milk in the dry section and it, it it's not in the cold section and why is the milk there and what <laughs> why are they eating this and what did this person say to me on the public transportation and they look so mad and um you know but then oh my goodness I live next door to like a, a palace from that's 400 years old you know it's just Oh, it's so much. Um, and yeah, it's just so many changes. And then on top of that, we don't really give ourselves a lot of grace. Uh, we don't give ourselves a lot of room to fall apart. Mm. Um, I think a lot of us, it's, it's kind of an extreme. It's either fall apart and just kind of stay there or fight through it and ignore it. And hope that it gets better and goes away over time. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to find that middle ground. And depending on the extreme, the person is going to suffer even more from all of the different culture shock and movement and transition. Because um, your body and your brain can only take so much stress before you're just, you know, yeah. Yeah, kind of give out in one way or another. Um, but to let yourself have those those days where you know you go to the grocery store and you couldn't read your recipe list at all and you go home and cry and I don't know one time I threw an egg against my wall probably <laughs> wasn't like the best thing but I felt better <laughs> I haven't actually tried that yet even though I wanted to <laughs> it'll clean right up um you're just giving yourself the room to have bad days mm. and to acknowledge that yeah is a, is a really good first step towards then getting accustomed to this new host country of yours but i think ultimately just all of the changes and transition the mood the the happiness the joy and then going just diving down into sadness and mourning you know all of that i think that is the primary reason people uh struggle so much when they come abroad yeah um, yeah. yeah especially if it's you know longer a year or longer so mm, yeah yeah I like how you um yeah actually you made a really good point about how it's like it's okay to not be okay yeah. sometimes because I feel like having moved overseas as well I kind of feel like there's always there's always so much pressure like oh like you know it's so exciting like you're moving abroad you're living a dream that nobody else kind of got to yeah. live so it must be really exciting all the time so then because of that you always have to hide when things are not going well and like because you're experiencing all these new things everything must be okay so mm -hmm. yeah I feel like a lot of people don't give them the kind of room to even express the bad days <laughs> right right because there will be days that are not so joyful <laughs> let's just say yeah mm. that's awesome 
I'm just getting back to a point that you were talking about, what you mentioned before about um, healthy habits. Tell us a little bit more about them. So we have, yeah, I was, I was talking about the that wanting to be the, the muscle strengthener mm-hmm. that can hopefully play a larger role in our day-to-day lives. And so, so far we do our classes in a couple of different ways, but for the moment we have a 12, we have a series of 12, I suppose, of healthy habits, of tools people can use um, that we will get into discussion groups and there will always be a Ushine facilitator and we will look at a topic and each topic tries to to build one, um, how do you say, <laughs> they, they build off each other is what I'm uh, inelegantly trying to say. Okay. Uh, they build off of each other. And always include questions for the for everyone because it's not a presentation. It is a discussion. It is an open conversation. Uh, ideally, it's in a place that has you know pillows and there's coffee and you know yeah. has some private you know surroundings, but gets people in a place where they feel comfortable to. Because you were saying earlier, you know, it just it doesn't seem like people talk about this stuff, and it's. It's hard to talk about our feelings. I'm used to talking about my feelings now. So whenever people are like, what are your feelings? I said, do you have three hours? You know, because I love feelings, <laughs> but not everybody, you know, for, for someone to utter one word for them, that might feel like three hours. So mm-hmm. always seeking to create a place of comfort and coziness and having warm drinks and snacks nearby so people feel like they can open up more just by having that little bit of distraction. And then we we just spend about an hour, hour and a half talking through realistic situations where it would be important to know how to handle conflict or how to uh, advocate for yourself. Um, we talk about that, talk about the differences between uh, assertion and aggression and um you know, overthinking and with stress and how can we better cope with these types of things. So yeah, we we have 12 discussions that are very thorough, uh, get participants talking and thinking. They always begin and end with goal setting. We encourage our participants to start out if, if we're going to do 12 weeks in a row or six weeks in a row, let's say, we encourage the participants to think of a large goal that they would have for themselves, you know, something like, I would like to do better with my sleeping habits is one that I've seen a lot, mm-hmm. especially with students. So they'll they'll set that for themselves at the beginning of the six weeks. Like this is my primary goal. And then over the course of those six weeks, we are always revisit revisiting that primary goal. And they make smaller goals in order to reach the larger ones. So it might be, you know, I'm going to you know, on week two, I am going to not look at screens 30 minutes before I go to bed. And then the next week is I'm going to, uh, you know, clean my room uh, thoroughly Mm. so that it feels like my own personal sanctuary instead of this crazy mess and chaos, you know, so, so that when we get to the very end, we check in and say, how's the progress growing, you know, going and and we talk about what that means to accomplish a goal and not to quite accomplish a goal, but how this isn't a place where we're going to, 
beat anyone up for that or guilt anyone. We're just going to adjust, make some tweaks Mm -hmm. so that everyone's confidence feels boosted and stuff. So the things that we do are very practical. The things we talk about are very practical, why we researched, um, and written by the by the people in Oklahoma uh, who who really study and research this stuff. So yeah, yeah, just try to get people talking and thinking and yeah. challenging themselves to think differently about to- topics no one really wants to talk about. Mm. That's awesome. And I like how you say it's always like a conversation kind of place because I feel like a lot of you know if if you ever um I feel like if you ever have a workshop or something about healthy habits, people would just be like, oh yeah, well I'm gonna get thrown at about how to, um, you know, how many, how many vegetables I should be eating a day. Yeah. I feel like people are not really going to participate in a conversation if, if they're just being talked at again. <laughs> so that's really awesome. Right. That's really, really good. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been holding your healthy habits workshops online now then with COVID and everything? We have been doing live conversation series. So healthy habits for now has been put on pause, Mm -hmm. just because everything keeps changing. We're either on lockdown, and we're not on lockdown. And we get a lot of either students or parents. And so either way, people are having to constantly adjust to do I have my kids? Do I go to school? Do I not? So we've been doing um, so healthy habits has been put on pause for the moment, but we have been doing live conversations, which has seemed to be really helpful. It's more of like a bite-sized conversation Mm -hmm. uh, because we're also in this time of screen fatigue and healthy habits is really can only be done. I mean, it could, it could be done online, but to take up another hour, hour and a half of of a person's eyes could be pretty draining. And this is supposed to be a conversation that's invigorating. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with this conversation, the, the bite-sized conversation series, where we are taking uh, bite-sized amounts of time to talk about anxiety, depression, and resilience. And we're just having those on repeat for now because those are the ones that people are seeking the most. In the time of COVID, people are more anxious and more depressed. Um, the statistics are through the roof. And everyone regardless of mental health struggle is in need of resilience. And so we're just kind of hold, hosting those on repeat for anybody who wants more information on uh, coping with feeling anxious while they're inside and, um, you know, looking for ways to be become more resilient as these things keep changing and don't really show a lot of signs of things returning back to the way we're used to anytime soon. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we've got going on right now. Just kind of trying to be respectful of how much time people are spending online. And mm. so we're also wanting to be helpful. So it's it's a tricky balance. Mm, I can imagine being helpful, but also like so needed in a time like this as well. Because I feel like there's just so much uncertainty right now. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. And mental health is, oh yeah. I was looking at, um, I was looking at suicide rates across the world the other day and it was just oh, so sad. And and the, the thing that, that is kind of, that really angers me on the inside is like, okay, sure, like all these, gov- um, you know, governments across the world are doing lockdowns at the moment, but are they doing anything to kind of help people mental yeah. health-wise? Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Talking about lockdown now, what's the situation like in Austria for the listeners out there who are not currently in Austria? Mm-hmm. Um, with Austria, it continues to fluctuate. We have been in lockdown since December 26th. Um, and before that, we had been in about a month long lockdown prior to that that ended around December 7th or something. So it was like we got out and then we got and then the lockdown came right back. Our numbers have lowered significantly in comparison to where they were at their highest, but mm-hmm. uh, they're still high enough where there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding whether or not we'll be sort of released from this current lockdown at the end of January or you know, is that going to be extended? Um, they are beginning the vaccinations here with, uh, you know, beginning, of course, with the, the people who are in the highest risk uh, categories. Mm-hmm. So we're excited that the vaccination is here and that the people who, you know, would really, really, really benefit from having that are finally being able to have that. Um, and then there's testing that's happening. I think my my family and I, we're going to start getting regularly tested until we're able to, to get the vaccination. Um, so, I mean, in terms of like the virus, that's kind of what's happening here in terms of people. Um, I just kind of keep doing the same thing over and over. And I'm one of the many voices who's just saying, you know, it is so hard to not only be in lockdown, but to be in lockdown in the month of January. Um, yeah. Like where I was saying earlier, at least in Vienna, we we get maybe four hours of sun if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just bitter cold outside. So it's like, yeah. if you wanted to go outside to attempt to get vitamin D, you don't know if the sun is there. And then also it's freezing. Um, yeah. I, see. I, I do feel like the vibe here is very you know, a lack of, no one really has control over their own life in a way. And then you're, you're stuck with the people you love and you love them, but you've also seen them literally every day, yeah. every second. And yeah. it's, it's rough. And then there's folks who, you know, are living on their own and that's hard. That has really tough uh, repercussions as well. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just feel like on the social, social and emotional side, it's, it's very rough right now. Mm, I can imagine. I mean, I'm just, I'm wondering how have you been able to be in lockdown with your entire family right by your side, basically? (laughs) Oh man. I, uh, I just keep, my husband and I try to make sure that both of us have our time. Um, Mm. So like we both know, like for me, I have to create something. Mm-hmm. I either have to create something artistic or write. Those are sort of my um, mm-hmm. two primary outlets for uh, feeling like I'm myself again. Mm-hmm. And then my husband, he needs to he needs to be able to read a book and listen to one of his records. Um, so mm-hmm. with that knowledge, we. We'll have time that we've set aside where I'm with the kids and he's off with his, you know, engaging in his outlets. Then he comes and switches with me. I go and engage in my outlets. Then we'll also have, of course, together time where all four of us are together playing games or video games together, board games, you know, all of our meals are together, of course, and things. 
we used to go outside. Now it's been less enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, day to day, it that sounded really planned out as I told it to you. That's kind of our ideal. There are, of course, days where the kids are just not having it. And it is, you know, Will and I, neither of us really get our outlets until after the kids are in bed. And then it's just one of those days where you're like, well, that was horrible. That was, that was, that was quite truly very terrible. <laughs> um, you're just trying to make it from one day to the next. But um, yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, it's been rough. It's been rough. I love my family dearly, but I'm also, I would love to to talk to other humans uh, who aren't four and six. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> Just start more kind of like friendly conversation Zoom chats <laughs> for the community. <laughs> Um, okay but I mean but that's pretty cool that you use you said drawing and also journaling as your kind of outlets Mm -hmm. is there like anything in particular like is there something in particular that you draw or write about yeah I don't have a thing well this is a podcast you wouldn't be able to see huh um but I do my favorite method of creating at least when it comes to drawing is called zentangling and basically at its core is um, doodling with purpose. Um, It is making patterns uh, with the purpose of releasing anxiety, creating something new, but there's also a lot of forgiveness in there. So the thing of entangling is you're not supposed to have an eraser. You're not supposed to have a ruler. You just draw and if, but it's patterns. And if you make a mistake, then you just, incorporate that mistake into the rest of your creation and you make a new pattern out of what was a mistake so that it's no longer to you looks like a mistake um so I love doing that I also love coloring I have probably seven adult coloring books um and then writing I've had a blog for probably the last 10 years um so I I do love my journaling and I do I journal a a lot but primarily I like to focus on my blog and uh write and post on there oh awesome wow yeah that's so awesome to know that you've been having like outlets for your your mental health as well just for your well-being general well-being you have to in this kind of thing you I mean you have to anyway corona or no corona but for this especially it's you have to or Mm. you know yeah in bed all day I don't know yeah I mean do you have any tips for people um who maybe like they haven't really found their own method of their own kind of outlet method or taking care of themselves do you have any tip Mm -hmm. on like how you can actually find one for yourself Mm -hmm. I would start out by trying it might sound cliche but just trying out new things um Mm. we're in a season where the changing of the seasons blur together and we Mm -hmm. don't really know what's happening from one moment to the next. So this could be a good opportunity to seize that and decide you're going to try cooking. You know, if you've never really been much of a chef, uh, you know, try a new recipe, see if that is 
life-giving or not. Um, mm -hmm. You know, try drawing, try running. Um, I would also encourage people to, if you are going to be on social media during this time, to seek out uh, accounts similar, well, you know, ideally it would be Ushine or Ushine Vienna, but, but accounts similar to ours that are constantly coming up with ways that you can find your outlet. Um, mm -hmm. Find communities that you feel comfortable engaging with online. Um, I know that there's, there are things here, like there's a community here called Connect, where people connect uh, online and they'll play games, they'll play online games together, but they'll also talk throughout the day. And it's just a good way to let off steam, but you're not, uh, but it's in a more structured, supportive way. Oh, okay. um, where, you know, everyone in the connect group feels the way that you do, but you're, you know, sharing things that are funny and, and things like that. Um, I look for, for online communities you feel comfortable joining. Um, yeah, trying out new things, reading, reading things that are going to spark joy and happiness. Maybe not re staying away from from things that are going to drag you down. Um, mm. You know, we've been seeing a lot of of news recently about doom scrolling. Mm. You know, staying away from those tendencies. Uh, you know, the sooner you you catch yourself doing that, the better. It, it's again, it, it's hard when you can't go and be with people. Um, mm -hmm. maybe schedule a walk with one person and, you know, <laughs> make sure that they're a, a six throw away from you or something like that. But, um, <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's so, there's so much content out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, you shine, for example, we've started a book club, uh, a self-help book club. So we talk about, we do book chats once a week. Uh, there's, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there right now. For people to get engaged so yeah yeah I find that we're very lucky we're in um an age of lockdown in 2021 and not I'm, I'm just imagining what it would have been like for example with the Spanish flu a hundred years ago <laughs> I just I can't imagine how I would have survived <laughs> I think about that all the time <laughs> I like of people who who didn't have this or people who like families who lived you know, in families of 12 in one room, mm. you know, down under the, where the city, uh, where the city level is now, you know, like in Vienna, they were way, like six floors. And I just can't, you know, even as a mom, I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> how did they do this? Yeah. I find that if I kind of say to myself, oh, well, imagine what lockdown would have been like a hundred years ago. And I feel like it's kind of, that's a way um, to get me to think of, okay, there's so many things I should be grateful for. <laughs> and I love what you just said there, spending time, maybe a good place to start with an outlet um, may not be something necessarily active, like drawing or writing or seeking a community. Maybe it is practicing gratitude because we have studies now that show that if someone engages in the practice of gratitude, it will change the chemicals happening, uh, going on in your brain. Mm. Um, so just doing little things like I am thankful for this. I'm thankful that there are people who figured out a way to make glass mm -hmm. so that I could have 
a glass in my hand for this water. Mm-hmm. Um, like really, really getting down to specifics. Yeah. I am glad, I am thankful that I have a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. And I am grateful that there are people who went to school and mm-hmm. learned how to build so that I could have a roof, you know, like mm-hmm. really go down deep write it down, speak it out, talk about it with, with your family. If you, if you're, um, you know, have other people living with you doing things like that can reshape what's going on in your brain. Mm. And then maybe that will encourage you, you know, give you some more energy and motivation to then seek out other ways that you could, um, engage in outlets that are helpful or just say something like I'm grateful for the opportunity to have outlets (laughs) (laughs) that's true true. you made that point (laughs) well I really like how you kind of made it as like a because it's such a simple thing to do um but it's such a like important first step as well um yeah I really really like that so we're kind of, we're getting to the end of our podcast now. And I'm just wondering, so to finish off, what are you most looking forward to once all of these lockdowns and restrictions are over? Oh my goodness. I want nothing more than to go to Cafe Little Britain, my second home, <laughs> my home away from home here in Vienna. I want to go to my favorite cafe and I want to sit in that on that green couch and order a hazelnut latte with a blueberry crumble and I will probably just weep (laughs) tears of joy um and I I I want to do that and then I just so desperately want to be I think my whole thing is eating I love people around my table or around a table um in some sort of capacity so I just want to be gathered with people around a table full of food and eat and laugh with I don't even care if I know them at this point like just <laughs> just we're a place where we can all pour into each other but then also be nourished at the same time that I can't wait for that <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, me neither. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> All right. Thank you so much again for this wonderful interview, Holly. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. The next episode will be taking us to a tech project based in Libya. So if you want to be notified when it's out, make sure to subscribe to Voices Unheard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever it is you listen to your podcast on. Additionally, make sure you check out all the links and resources in this episode's description, as well as a transcription of this episode. That's all for this episode. See you next time.